Hi everyone, my name is Mark Graham and welcome to SkewCast, the podcast that explores the who, what, why, and how of the promotional products industry. SkewCast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SkewCast is the official podcast of Common Skew. If you like what you hear, make sure to keep in touch by subscribing to the show on iTunes or at our blog, community.commonskew.com. And with that, let's get to it. In today's episode, we dive straight into the drama that is Brexit. The UK's recent vote to leave the EU on June 23rd, 2016. The world is still trying to come to terms with the consequences of the vote, but as we sit here a few weeks later, we are trying to figure out what this means for the promotional products industry. Our guest today is Jill Thorpe, CEO and Managing Director of UK-based The Sourcing Team. Jill got her start in the promotional products industry in 1996 and built the sourcing team into one of the country's most innovative distributors. Jill and her team are in the eye of the Brexit storm, so who better to help us wrap our heads around what this means for the promotional products industry in Europe, North America, and the rest of the world? Jill, it's great to have you on the SKUcast. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Joe, why don't we start off with uh, learning a little bit about your background and how you got the sourcing team off the ground? Okay. I started out working in a London marketing agency many moons ago. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my role there was uh, purchasing merchandise for a number of big brands like Coca Cola, Hero um, Tobacco. And I left there eventually to go into a small gift house. And then decided that actually sourcing was the area I loved. So I set up the sourcing team in 96. Right. Um, and so our whole, our whole approach was always about creating bespoke items, made to order items, so high volume from mainly from China. Um, and that was how we started. Right. Um, and I'm curious, what percentage of your business is in the UK versus Europe and then versus the rest of the world? Actually, we only have something like 10% export that is actually purchased outside okay. of the UK. So a lot of our international clients will, will run their orders from their UK offices. Got it. And okay. those exports, we're actually importing more from Europe than we are exporting to Europe. And our biggest partner is actually the US. So we, we export the most out to the US market. Um, so it's very odd. And we, we also produce directly in, in China, and that gets shipped to different markets as well. So it doesn't actually touch the UK. So it's a bit of a skew in there. But, um, yeah, so we're not a massive exporter into the European market. Right, right. So it's a lot of, um, shall we say, dropship business where you're producing in the Far East and then shipping to your clients that may be in the UK, Europe, and the rest of the world. So. Got it. Okay. Well, we'll get back to that in a second because I'm curious about, you know, to dig into uh, the, the currency effect as well as uh, tariffs, but uh, we'll hold off on that just for, for a moment. So I'm curious, how is the mood in Britain these days? I mean, you voted or, or the majority of the country, or a slim majority voted a couple of weeks ago to leave the EU. It's, uh, you know, kind of an unprecedented decision. What are you and your colleagues and friends, uh, what, what's your, um, you know, um, uh, the way you're thinking these days? Yeah. 
I think I think well, certainly from my perspective, <laughs> the shock was was quite a big shock, and uh, I think there's been a lot of uncertainty. However, I think it's starting to calm down, um, and people are starting to see what everything means. So, with the new PM, I think that's that's a, that's a massive boost for confidence. Um, everyone was quite excited to see how things are going to develop. Even yesterday, we had um, the PM over with um, Angela Merkel in Germany to right. start conversations. Um, so I think the mood is very much, you know, there's a lot to wait and see. There are too many. We don't know how things are going to pan out. Mm. Um, and um, it's, 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 in a sense, quite a fearful position mm. to be in, but it's also quite an exciting position to be in. Right. Um, um, let, let, let's dig into that. Um, you say fearful. I'm curious as to why and why is it exciting? Um, we joined the EU in 1973. Yep. So most of us have spent our lives being part of the European market. So it's suddenly like, okay, being thrown out of the house, isn't it really? <laughs> so mm. You're sort of like out on your own um, or that's the thinking. So I think there's a lot of fear from that perspective. People don't know what to expect. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's a key, a key part of it. And I think also immediately after Brexit, people weren't clear of what the true outcome really meant. So making a decision to vote out for, for personal reasons that might now have impacted them. I think Wales were getting a massive grant is it 1.9 million or something for the local area. And they, that, that's gone. They won't get that now because we're coming out of the EU. Right. So it's not just, it's so many ripple effect um, things that go on that I don't think people necessarily thought about or were told, you know, correctly, because you know what it's like, each side saying one thing and no one knows what to believe as well. Right, right, right. Now that it's actually happened, it's like, whoa, what did oh, I actually vote okay. for? Yeah. <laughs> We're um, on the ship. We've got to keep going now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you can't say, uh, you, you can't reverse it. Um, but you also said that it's um, uh, it, it's an exciting time, that there may be opportunities. Um, what, what are some of the things that might represent opportunities for, for you, Jill? I think I think there is, there's been, I think firstly, there's been frustration that we don't feel in control. Um, yeah. We are... That we all know that the global market has become smaller and smaller and we're all dealing all around the world and we want to be able to deal with countries around the world in the most simplistic way and fair way that we possibly can. Mm. So we, we still want to be part of Europe. We still want to be part of that family, but we want to be able to control um, some, of the, you know, some of the choices and bring some of those decisions back to the local market. Right. But the opportunities, obviously, with the Commonwealth um, – in other markets around the world, if we can come up with some really great trade deals, which of course is Westminster's job now, right. is to pull together, you know, the best deals that they can, not just right. in Europe, but around the world. Right. Um, so, so I'm curious, Jill, how, how did you personally vote and why? I, <laughs> I voted to stay in. Not because I was happy with like status quo, but because I felt, and I always feel, it's better to be at the table and have a discussion than to yep. be on the outside. So um, I genuinely think that the European uh, Union has is, is in time of change, and I, I, it'll be interesting to see what the effects are with the other members. But I think it is at a time when it does need to change, right. um, and. 
I think there are opportunities that we all see globally. And I think because we all feel like we are part of a global market now. Yeah. And so that was, that was really why I chose to stay in. But now, you know, the decision's made. So we all have to get on with it. We have to be leaders in our own businesses and we have to drive things forward in a very positive, um, positive way. Right. Did, did you, I'm curious, did, did you have any uh, colleagues specifically in the promotional products industry in the UK that decided to leave that are on the other side of the fence? Not particularly. I didn't, I don't think I've had that many conversations with people in the market. I think most of the the people I've had conversations with would be more on the supply side and for right. them, their concern is currency. So, right. um, a lot of them are importing from Asia, holding stocks, um, and so for them that there's, there's, you know, a, a difficult effect. Many of them will be, you know, have said that they will hold their pricing through the summer and then we'll have to see how the pound is faring towards the end of the summer. Right. Um, because obviously there's going to be an effect for them, um, right. on the currency effects. But so generally, no, uh, lots of discussion with, with and I, and I mean, really lots of discussion with friends and family, you know, taking completely different sides, which is really interesting. Mm. Um, but in a way, it's great because it's, it's very engaging. Uh, it's right, interesting right. to see so many people being more engaged with the political, you know, what's going on in the country and, and, and globally, which I, I think yeah. is, is good. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly makes the cocktail party uh, banter a little bit more interesting. And, 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 and I tend to agree with you. I mean, even like, regardless of whether you think this is a good or a bad vote, the fact that the country, uh, received huge numbers of people at the polls and, and they were voting in a, you know, a true free democracy, then, then that's great, right? You can't judge, you can't necessarily judge someone whether they're a good or bad based on whether they chose to stay or leave. Um, and, the, so. and you know, the, the leavers and the, and the, the Brexiters and, and, and the remains, they come from all walks of life. You know, right. it's not, it's not, it's not, uh, just, you know, certain people, certain areas. It is a complete mix. Yeah. It's the most surprising piece, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. and all for different reasons, different thought processes. So yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So I was reading in the images magazine, um, it was, uh, online that, uh, there was a poll of people within the promotional products industry within Britain, um, about what some people thought, whether, uh, leaving or staying was a good idea. And there, there were a, a couple of comments that kind of stood out at me and I, I wanted to read one of them and, um, get your opinion as mm. to whether this is a prevalent idea or not. So there's a gentleman by the name of Peter Kears, uh, managing director of Scott Crest. Uh, he stands out by virtue of being a Scottish lever. And to quote, this is what Peter said when he was asked, uh, what, what, uh, uh, how he voted. He said, quote, I was one of the 38% of Scotland that voted to leave. I knew that the economy would go down a bit, but I took the view that it was a gamble worth taking to protect the UK from mass immigration. Mm. And I'm curious about that. Uh, so here's a, a leading, um, I, I'm not sure whether he's a distributor or a supplier. It might be a hybrid of the two, but he's a leader within within the industry that is specifically citing immigration as being a key concern. Um, I don't necessarily want to judge whether he's right or wrong, but I just want to talk about immigration from a macro sure. perspective. Um, is this really a thing? And if so, how is this impacting the UK economy? We have uh, many, many migrants from all sorts of countries, not just in the EU. Um, and they've been coming here for many, many years. So, you know, people are 
people have a concern about the number of people coming into the country. It's a small island. Some people struggle to, um, to get their kids into certain schools in certain areas, or there's a limitation on, on uh, property in certain areas. And so people will start to think that's, oh, that's because of the immigration. Right. Um, so there are, there are um, you know, many people who have concerns about that. But I think, you know, from being, uh, you know, remaining open to talented, motivated, you know, immigrants who come in and, and, and work hard in this country, we need them. And um, I think it is just a case of how it's controlled um, yep. And and you know, whatever happens next, if we if we had a, a sort of deal like the Norway or the Swedish uh, Switzerland deal, they have got um, free movement, but you have to have that. So yep. I'm not sure if some of the things that people thought was going to come out of Brexit will be what actually comes out of Brexit. But I I I love the fact that we've got such a diverse and inclusive um, country, and I think it really makes us a, gives us great opportunity globally. Yeah. Because of that. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's, I think what struck me as interesting is that, uh, everyone is absolutely entitled to their point of view and they can certainly vote with, with, um, um, based on how they see the world. I, I think, uh, maybe my comment is less about immigration as much as it's about diversity within the industry. Yeah. And of course, I'm speaking to you from Toronto in Canada and ultimately the North American market. And, I think about one of the, the 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 worst things that could happen to our industry here, and I think also globally, is homogenization uh, as well as uh, sameness. And mm. I think that you see, um, you know, if you look at uh, the most innovative suppliers today, particularly in North America, they're often not the big guys, no. um, the, 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 the bigger, uh, suppliers, there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. They serve a very important purpose in the industry, but are not the ones that are typically leading innovation. They're the ones that are leading scale and efficiency and the ability to get your order out within 37 minutes. And we need that. Yeah. But when you walk around the show, it, 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 the, the, the suppliers that you remember, the products that you remember are often coming from the outsiders. Yeah. So whether that is, um, something that you can then relate back to immigration and the idea that new ideas come from people that are often outside of the core market, um, then I, I generally tend to agree with you. But um, it's interesting that some people just don't feel that and, um, and ultimately they're voting against it. Well, I think, I think it's just, um, I mean, we're very involved, we're, we're a woman-owned business, so we're very involved with um, We Connect International, which is yep. about looking after minority, um, you know, women, uh, women-owned businesses, uh, ethnic businesses so there's you know we're involved in that space and guess we have been for quite some time and the whole principle about that is that these big corporations want to work with agile uh, creative and innovative businesses and a lot of yep. those tend to be the more diverse businesses that are out there so absolutely Yep. Yeah, it's very, uh, very interesting. So I want to shift gears and I want to talk about business specifically because a lot of people are concerned that the, that the, uh, the Brexit vote to leave is going to be very bad for business. Mm-hmm. And, um, I want to get away from what the pundits say in the city and on Wall Street because oftentimes that they're, they're not really rooted in reality of small business no. that we, that, that we often <laughs> experience in this industry. So I, I want to, I want to ask you specifically about the sourcing team to the extent you're comfortable, Jill. Um, so first off, how has business been for you in the first half of 2016? Good, bad, neutral? 
So, um, yeah, business has been fairly good, fairly stable. We have our end of year at the end of May, so we're a bit odd. Um, but we're up 23%, and so the start of this year has, has been pretty stable for us. Nothing dynamic, but, um, yeah, we're quite happy with that. Um, well, so, so, I mean, up 23% is pretty impressive. Um, how do you expect to fare for the balance of 2016, you know, now, now that uh, Brexit has come down? Well, our budgets and our targets are, uh, you know, to continue in that vein. Um, we are bringing on a few extra um, activities to try and drive additional revenues so that we can keep that moving in the right direction. Um, right. But I think, I, think, uh, I think it's about being confident and it's about not being complacent because, um, you know, you need to be out there. You need to make sure you're, you're, you're driving things forward for your business. And right connecting with as many of your clients as you can so the right. business that's there you get right um but have you had any clients that have called you to express concern about doing business with a uk-based distributor is now not a good idea or are clients just holding the course and continuing to support and 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 moving forward no we haven't had anything like that and i think majority of the clients um there are certain programs that are going through and they're underway which is fantastic and then there's a lot. This this is the time actually, sort of during the end of the summer, when a lot of the the planning sessions start, which will be for the run through for the next twelve months. Right. Uh, but we haven't had any any sort of touch with any uh, negativity or concerns from our existing clients. Um, so we just uh, let's uh, hope that continues. Right, right, right. No, absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about the pound. Um, it's, it's obviously been, uh, punished uh, quite severely since the, since the vote to leave. Um, talk to me about how currency plays a role in your business and, you know, specifically profitability, um, yeah. or, or does it? Um, again, it depends. If a lot of our projects get placed through the UK offices, which okay. means that it doesn't affect us. Um, okay. however, um, we are buying from overseas and many of our stock, stock suppliers who are bringing in stocks and hold them here, they are buying from overseas. So yeah. the effect will be in the buying price from some of those comp companies. Right. Um, so yes, it's not ideal from an import perspective, right. but it's good from an export perspective. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, how we, we can try to improve the, the export side of our business over the next six months, there are there are already things in place which weren't due to come into play until early next year. But right. hopefully that will put us on the right course. And also right. our suppliers to yep. um, win as much business as possible because we need to be supply supporting them throughout. Yeah, no, for sure. And in some respects, there's actually a lot of parallels between what's going on in the UK and also in Canada because the Canadian currency relative to the US currency is 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 not great. Right. Um, you know, it's like a 70, well, a low seventies dollar. And so that certainly impacts uh, the cost that Canadian distributors uh, pay for any products that they're importing from the U S mm. and if they're also buying U S funds and bringing it in from China, then that's also uh, impacting prices here as well. Yeah. But what I always think is interesting is because distributors are very few distributors carry deep inventory of any inventory mm. that a lot of the time they're just, able to pass the costs along to the customer. Now, yeah. of course, a Canadian customer or a UK-based customer, you know, they may get to a point where they say, well, I'm not going to spend that much money on a baseball hat anymore. Um, and they may just choose to go with another 
or with, with, with some other advertising vehicle and not a promotional product. But I think for the most part, a lot of distributors are very nimble. I think it's the suppliers are the ones that are really stuck holding the bag. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting as to how they now manage their inventory and how, uh, how they move to more just in time models. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think many of us don't hold stock. Most of us are doing, um, I mean, we, we, we like to call it, we set a program up and we design the products and, it, and, and for all intents and purposes, it's on the client side, our platform. They yep. order it, but it's then produced and distributed within X number of days. Sure. So, um, it's a non-inventory inventory. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But the part, the differences as well, I think, and it's about differentiation. So for us, uh, our differentiation is that we only buy ethically. Right. Everything is tested to ensure it's fully compliant. And right. we are leaders in sustainability. So we have a differentiation in the market. Now, if you don't have any form of differentiation, then I think you're, you, you need to find something because when it comes down to it, the clients will go and say, right, I can buy this cheaper from there. Right. Many of our clients will buy from us because of those credentials. Right. Um, so if you don't have not necessarily those credentials, but other things that make you stand out to be different, then I think that there's, there's, there's a challenge to you obtaining yep. some of that business. Yep. Oh, for sure. And, and I think that that's a comment that can apply whether we're talking about Brexit or not, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that this is all about how one establishes a point of differentiation, how they establish their niche in the, uh, in, in the, uh, in the industry, uh, or sorry, in the market. And, um, and I also tend to think that that's likely your best weapon if the economy goes in the tank, um, whether it's in Canada, the U.S., or or in the U.K. Um, and and hopefully that's not going to happen at at some point. I know that we a lot of us suffered with the global recession back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. But even in that environment, you see the best distributors and best suppliers that are at worst flat because. Mm-hmm they're so unique in the market and people are still buying. They're just buying less. And the, the ones that are the same or the average Joe's are the ones that see the drop. Yeah. And you are, you know, sometimes you are having to drop those margins and, and work hard to stand still. But sometimes that's what has to happen in certain market conditions, isn't it? Globally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've all seen, we all see different things happening in different parts of the world. But yeah. the thing is, I don't think, I don't think the European union want to see us in trouble because basically we're a big buyer for Europe and yep. also destabilizes the whole, the, the globe. Yep. It doesn't help anybody. So we'll see. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that that's the theme of this podcast is, I mean, a lot of people, if you read the newspapers, it's the sky is falling and we're, yeah. we're, we're in deep trouble, but it's interesting to speak to people who are right on the ground and the fact that your business is up so dramatically in the first six months is great. And the fact that you have not received phone calls from clients that say, all right, well, now that you're in Britain, you're, 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 uh, you know, you're, you're done. Mm. Um, you're not seeing that. And the fact that you're continue to be really positive, I think suggests, um, that, uh, that from, from the, um, from the, you know, the person on the street perspective that, it's business as usual. Mm. But I mean, there's also things like, that are our concerns, obviously, in terms of the climate change and human rights issues, which as within Europe, we've worked really well together to drive, yep. to drive forward. And so all of that, I don't think anyone wants to see any of that slow down or, you know, because we can't afford to let it slow down. So those, those are other areas of massive concern, I think, um, for many people. 
Right, right. Um, and then outside of the ethical sourcing side of your business, are there other things that you're doing to stay uh, ahead of those topics or to continue to, you know, make sure that you're, you're doing your, your part? We, we are already working on an initiative, which is global. Um, and that's something that we hope to sort of have launched in January. And that's yep. working with partners within our sector, our industry around the world. Um, so very much about collaboration and sharing best practice. So there's a lot going on that I think is our future thinking. Um, yep. I think we all struggle a little bit with the administrative costs of small orders. So again, that's another area that's been sort of um, developed for us in terms of a, an automated platform. So there's a number of things that we've put in place and we're working on and that are underway. Right. Opposed to let's start them because of Brexit. They were already underway because we see it as a, a great global opportunity anyway, but it's yep. about collaboration and partnerships in, you know, around the world. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. And I think for people that are listening to this, that are in the North American market, um, it's worth noting or, or worth letting people know, Jill, that you have, you've made it a priority to come to Las Vegas. I know that you, um, uh, certainly enjoy your time at the PPAI Expo. Yep. You were at SKUCon last year in Vegas, and it's something that you continue to do. Um, why is that important for someone who's based in the UK to have um, a strong relationship with the with the North American market? So we are working with lots of corporations, global corporations, yep. and um, our area has always been about product compliance and safety. Right. So taking that over to the US, we we're really impressed in the way that the PPAI brought in their product safety um, side to, to ensure their suppliers were sort of understanding what was going on and had to do some training. And um, so we came a few years ago to start the process of finding some partners in the US market and actually across the US and we have two partners in Canada um, right. to help us with clients. If I have a client based in, in, in Europe who has a conference or an event going on somewhere in the US or in, in Canada, then I can collaborate with my partner in that market. So they're buying locally, they understand the local requirements and the um, compliance issues, and we're not shipping across the world, which again is not sustainable. Right. So that's that's really the, the, the point of what we've been trying to do. And we've we've got some connections running now um, in various parts of the world. And um, so that's quite exciting. It's just bringing it all together right. um, in one space for our customers, really. Yeah. And, and I think that you're, what you're saying there is consistent with the, with the, with the philosophy of a lot of very progressive distributors and suppliers that are based in North America, as well as other parts of the world. I know that there's a, um, uh, uh, Justin Reynolds, who I'm not sure if you met him at SKUCon, um, uh, in January, but he's, he's with Red Tomato in Australia and, you know, makes this investment to come to the U S market every January to go and connect and collaborate with other people in the industry. And I think it's great. And you certainly see that with Canadian distributors and U S distributors that are making these partnerships all across the world yeah. to, I, I think on one hand, service global business. There's no question about that that's that that's becoming a reality these days but i also think it's a mindset from a product sourcing perspective from an idea sharing perspective and i just think that makes us better mm. and 
you know, I think within the context of this whole Brexit discussion, you know, it overlooks the fact that there's a lot of very progressive people in your market that have always been very globally oriented. And my suspicion is that while you're concerned about Brexit, you're already doing the things that are making you global leaders anyhow, as opposed to feeling like this is going to hold you back. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that's the case. And I think, I mean, and, and Canada is, you've got some great sustainability out there. So we've, one of the partners that we're working with is brilliant on the sustainability um, side, which is yep. obviously trying to work with, with companies with similar values around the world. Um, rather than setting up your own business in different markets, why do it? Yep. You know, yep. you, you, we, we, we want to be experts in our space and we won't be yep. an expert setting up in another market yep. and we'll be a newcomer. So, um, yeah, I think those relationships, and I think some people really get that thinking. Clearly, you know, at Common Skew, you get that, and, and it's just, as you say, it's a mindset. Yep. You get so much more by sharing and connecting with people and collaborating. And I think that that's actually makes it a really exciting space to be in as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think that's a, it's an interesting way to sort of wind down this podcast in that I think we started this off with addressing the concerns and the fact that there's a lot of negativity and a lot of division that's taking place in the UK market. Um, you're certainly seeing a lot of division that's happening in the US market right now with, uh, the, the, uh, the US election that is taking place this year. Tons of, uh, division and it's, you know, it, it can be depressing to look at. Um, certainly in Canada, we have experienced our divisions in the past, particularly between English and French uh, Canada. Mm. And you just think that in general, at least maybe this is just my particular viewpoint, that I think you don't necessarily move forward when you're divided and you're fighting with one another. You move forward when you celebrate the fact that people come from different, you know, backgrounds. You celebrate the fact that people have different viewpoints. You celebrate the fact that you can learn from other people when you get outside your bubble. It can be a little scary, no question. Um, but if I just look at the promotional products industry as a whole, um, we grow globally when people work together as opposed to stay divided. So that, that, that might be my little, you know, PSA, but yeah. no, <laughs> I, I, I think as we end this, and, and it's, uh, it's what I'm hearing from you. Isolate product from the whole marketing piece. You know, we are part of that marketing machine and it's pulling that whole piece together, isn't it? Whether you do that yourself, bringing in digital or you work with different partners in different areas, marketing is one area that all fits together and, Sometimes they're going to choose to spend their money on a completely different area, and sometimes they'll use merchandise. But I think merchandise is one of the strongest areas. <laughs> yeah, yep, clearly. Yep. Yeah, no, no, oh, I, absolutely. I mean, of course you'd say that, right? <laughs> um, so, 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 Jill, as as we uh, as we wind down here, um, is there any? either message that you would like to leave listeners of the podcast with, or is there a question that I should have asked you that I did not ask you? So I'll leave it with you to, uh, to answer um, that. No, I'd love to know more about uh, how you, how you feel about the elections going on in the U S and how you feel that might affect you guys. Cause you're a massive trading partner, aren't you? So I, I, yeah, heard, I, I heard that lots of people want to move to Canada if it goes. Yeah, it, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. And, and, and there are some savvy marketers here in, in Canada that are kind of taking advantage of that. And it's, it's pretty funny to see there's, there's a great YouTube, um, or if, if you look up on YouTube, there's a great ad, um, by, uh, by Air Canada, which is not normally seen as a particularly innovative marketer, but, yeah. uh, they've, they've come up with a really interesting campaign where I think that they're promoting, you know, people can, you, you know, trial Canada. <laughs> so it's 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 
it's very amusing. But I think that, you know, Jill, I, I, I can offer this from two perspectives because, of course, I've got uh, the experience of having started a distributorship with Right Sleeve. And while I'm not involved in the day-to-day of Right Sleeve anymore, I still have an ownership stake in the company. So I, I can give that perspective and I can also give the perspective of Common Skew. So from a Right Sleeve perspective, um, it's it's a concern what's going on in the U.S. only because – uh, the U.S. is such a great trading partner. So not only do does Right Sleeve sell into the U.S. market, it's it's not the majority of Right Sleeve sales. The majority is still Canadian based, but you know there's the odd customer that's in the U.S. and we don't want to have any friction when it comes to working with U.S. clientele. And then of course on the import side, uh, we want to make sure that we can import as frictionlessly as possible. Um, so any leadership change or philosophical or sorry, f- philosophy change in the U.S. that that puts up walls between our two countries is is obviously not good um, for us because right sleeve as a distributorship has always been very outward thinking. I mean, we're, we're very, very supportive and loyal to the Canadian market, but we have always looked outside of our own borders yeah. for product ideas, for relationships, for learning. Um, as well as for business. And, and and the U.S. is an incredibly important partner of ours, and we don't want to have that messed up with someone coming in with, um, you know, divisive uh, philosophies. Yeah. From a common skew perspective, that business is a little bit different. Common skew is, is a bit of a borderless business in terms of uh, uh, the, the software can be deployed anywhere in the world. Um, we charge in U.S. funds, um, so that's obviously good for people that are in the U.S. market. Maybe not so great for uh, my yeah. Canadian brethren or, or the folks that are in Australia, and yeah. I, I apologize for that, but it just it's the way it is. And and I think that from our perspective on the Common Skew side, we really look at the fact that Common Skew is trying to create this global mapping of the industry where we have people that are in the UK, Canada, the US, Australia, Singapore, New Zealand, Africa, and looking in other parts of continental Europe, I should say. And what we feel is that by bringing together progressive and open-minded people anywhere in the world, and giving them a platform to share ideas and come together, that is the absolute best defense towards closed-minded thinking, whether that's in Canada, whether that's in the U.S. or the U.K., we don't really care. Mm. Um, I think that we can overcome that. Yeah. Um, so that that's how we feel about it from a common skew perspective. Um, and, of course, it's a different business because it's a, it, it's a business of bits, uh, whereas right sleeve is in the business of atoms, <laughs> which is a little <laughs> more challenging. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but Jill, this has been absolutely uh, riveting and so interesting to speak with you uh, across the pond, so to speak. And, uh, and I'm left encouraged that the message you're sharing with people is uh, one of hope and I think one of optimism. And it's great to hear your business doing so well. And uh, fingers crossed that continues to be the case. Brilliant. And see you in Vegas. <laughs> you bet. All right. Take care. Have Brilliant. a wonderful rest of the year. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SkewCast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SkewCast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for listening.